moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. Curious, how would you, if you're talking to 20-year-old and you're saying, hey, 20-year-old Leslie, you got to start doing this. How would you build that into your day when you're under all of that pressure to do all of this stuff that, quote unquote, you need to do because this is what your manager wants you to do? I would acknowledge that I'm not doing it for work. I'm doing it for me. And the result of that probably would require me to put in some effort outside of my eight to five. And I was already working like 60 hours a week at the time. So for my 18K base, so no, no big deal. But I think that has been something that I go back to a lot is that like you only get one reputation. It's yours. It's not your company's. So protect it, build your personal brand. If you choose to use your personal social likely to amplify the voice of your product, of your customers, great. But I would really say to 20 year old Leslie, like own this as something that is yours and will grow with you, not something you're doing for an immediate gain or result. And now the conclusion of our conversation with Leslie Venets. Well, we think about all these different ways that people are trying to do that. Jim and I have actually had this conversation a couple of times since the birth of the podcast is that there are these different tools that allow you to post at different times without you being there. So really the most important thing is you have to build the content and then cut, splice, dice the content so that it, it hits the right, hits the right audience on the right platform. Do you use anything like that or do you have another strategy that you would suggest? That is a very tactical question. So for TikTok, I almost exclusively create and edit in app. And then if you want to use those videos, there are a million free, you just type in like free remove watermark TikTok into Google. And then you can go right to your page and download the videos. It removes the watermark and then you can repurpose that content wherever you want. There is an incredible piece of the tech stack that is called repurpose.io. That's, it is mind blowing. I just found it a few weeks ago. It has a freemium version and it allows you to repurpose to LinkedIn, to YouTube, to TikTok. It's a great sort of flywheel for or for LinkedIn, I actually use Canva, which is very limiting. So I'm not sure I would recommend it, but in posts right now, current like 2022 stats, LinkedIn posts that use an image get two times higher engagement for just a standard side image. And the bigger the image, the higher engagement. I love Canva. It brings me a lot of joy. Like I have fun creating there and that's what it's about, right? I want to help. I want to be generous. I want to share my story. But if I'm not having a little bit of fun with it, then what am I really doing here? So I use Canva and I schedule a lot of my stuff to go out first thing in the morning on LinkedIn, because that's when the algorithm is going to reward your content. With all of those things being said, if you are not, then going to your content and engaging with folks in the comments, you're missing the most important piece of all of it. So when you're you're talking about the on the creation side, and then you just segue into my next question, which 
is you talked about making sure that you engage with people that are making the comments. Can you say a little bit about how that helps to inform or create or support a customer-centric mindset? Yeah, I really think about it in the context of creating a community because these people are showing up and giving you their time and attention. Those are valuable resources. And so, yes, I am out there creating that content for free, but I think I would be remiss to not show gratitude to the people that show up to make it worth it by watching, by engaging, by liking, by sharing. So I really think about it as the context of I'm creating this community by making sure that I'm not talking to talk, like I'm talking to create a space for conversations, for other people to have conversations. I don't want to be the only voice on my page. So I think that is part of it. From a buyer-centric approach, I think it's more about being a part of the conversations that are happening in your specs communities and engaging if you're comfortable, if you're there, you have the product knowledge, but if you're not engaging, at least showing up with curiosity and listening so that you really know what is most important to them without them having to explicitly state it. We were involved in a discussion earlier this week where you were actually making a lot of the points that you're making right now. And somebody just flipped the hell out and said that, oh, stop with the pity party and feeling sorry for yourself about how sales is viewed as a, as an industry. I'm in sales. I think everything's, Oh, everything's fine. And the meme that I'm going to reference, it's, it's the Simpsons character and they they have the flames all around them. Oh, this is fine. (laughs) This is fine. So let's, when you say buyer centricity, how is the world of work viewing sales as a profession? And how does that tie into buyer centricity? There's so many layers to it because I, I think the, the top layer is that sales is not viewed as a profession. It's not respected as a profession, right? Like it's sales is viewed as just a job you go in. And like that speaks to a bigger problem. It's not something you can go to college for. It's not something parents encourage their children to consider as a career choice, even though there is insane amounts of money to be made in sales. So I think that's one piece of it. I think because sales has historically attracted some pretty big ego, historically, it's been like a profession that only extroverts can go into. And if you're good at talking, you can be good at sales. And it's all things that we know, both anecdotally and from the data are just dead wrong. But you say something like, here's a script that I've had success with, or here's a technique that you might want to try. People are like breaking their ankles to run to the comments to be like, that doesn't work. I That doesn't work in my sale. I tried it and that didn't work for me. And so I think a huge part of it is that we have become so tied to these historical narratives of everything has to be metrics-based or you have to follow this exact script or if you don't do this exact template or process, you're doing it wrong. And I think the modern seller needs to take these amazing best practices that have been handed down to us and use those guardrails, use those parameters, but inject their own voice to just make it more authentic and more meaningful. So I think that's one really important way that we can connect with our buyers, right? Because we're creating a we're creating a sales community that looks more like our buyers and sounds more like our buyers. And we have the freedom to pair our lived experiences with best practices to communicate with our buyers in a way that 
they want, like in a, in a way that matters to them. But I think to, to that comment, I know exactly what you're talking about. The guy was like, I think sales is fine. You just need to try harder. And I'm like, no, no I don't think you understand. Like I, I've literally smashed my quota always. I'm not some like victim that's saying sales is so tough. And that's why I just am not successful here. Like I'm highly successful and can also acknowledge that there are things about the profession that are deeply broken. And it doesn't really matter what we as sellers think. It does matter, but it doesn't really matter what we think that if we think sales is great, if you're pulling the buyer community and they're ranking us consistently as one of the top three most hated professions. Like that's a disconnect that needs to be acknowledged and our buyer's opinion matters. Yeah. Sales is ranked somewhere between politicians and parasites. So, and I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what I say. So I'm going to stick with that. So I think, I think we can, when we're looking at the concept and the exercise of being buyer centric and how we go out in the world, the question that I pose, and this is a Hamilton reference, do you want to be in the room where it happens or do you not? If nothing else, you need to be focused and obsessed with your buyer to get the opportunity to be in the room where they're actually discussing a potential solution. So you'd be silly to just discount that aspect. Nobody cares what you think, what you say, what your value proposition is, or all that other stuff. If you're just vomiting that stuff out there, nobody's going to pay attention. So if if you just want to do it for the sake of being self-serving, you're going to be less successful, but at least it gets you in the room and gets you visibility into what the customers are saying. That's the thing. But um, it's about curiosity and it's about listening. Just like I say, listen to the voices of people that have been traditionally marginalized in the sales community to see what they need to feel safe, to feel included here, to want to pursue sales as a profession. We also need to listen to what our buyers are telling us. And our buyers are telling us that they want a helpful partner to guide them through their buying process versus somebody that's going to sell at them. It sounds like some of the things that are intrinsically wrong with sales are largely driven by how we are as a society, right? Very homogenous and lacking a desire or a compassion to hear from folks. And then to add to it, we aren't the best listeners, right? When one of the superpowers that you must have as a salesperson is to be an attentive, active, intellectually curious thinker. I think you, you hit on that quite a bit. And I have not admittedly been on some of the threads that you all are talking about, but it sounds based off what you're saying that it underscores all of that. And how do you pierce through? How are you that piercing voice that cuts through the all the fray? I just maybe I'm out there just beating a dead horse. I don't know, LB. I am imperfect. I do not always get it right. I sometimes miss the mark, but I keep showing up and I am trying, like I'm doing my best. I'm trying to lead from that place of curiosity. So I think your point about it, it being like there's like a humanity piece to it, I I think is very true. I think we can all be better listeners. Like even one of the sessions I do for the interactive coaching workshop that I lead is active listening, but I'm not a perfect listener, right? Like I'm still on the journey. I'm still having to bring myself back and avoid distractions. So I don't know. I don't think I have this silver bullet answer of how to pierce through 
But I think the gist of it is show up, keep trying, do your best, be genuine, lead with curiosity, like just be and admit that you're probably going to make some mistakes along the way and you're probably not going to get it right. But those are the sort of chances that you have to take to reach the people that are like ready to listen to what you have to say. I would argue that maybe perhaps it's you're not the silver bullet, but I think your presence is darn close. That re- The whole idea when we talk about this, this representation, being out there, being that voice, calling out, sometimes this is necessary, right? So if we, the outsider can point the finger without a reference point and people say, ah, that person's just an outsider. But not only are you someone internal to sales, right? And knowing the sales process from end to end, knowing it from being a sales representative all the way down to being the person that has led sales. Now you can say, this is what my experience has been, which is what you've been doing and helping others to have a voice. So I would contend that you, if you're not the silver bullet, you're darn close. Please I think Leslie, for those of you who aren't uh aren't viewing this when the video comes out. I think Leslie might have blushed at that one. Did. Oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like over here sweating now. It's interesting that you mentioned the silver bullet concept, Leslie. I want to tie it to some of the fundamentals about sales though. There's never really a true silver bullet to anything. But here's the thing. If you do a thing with discipline, repeat it over time, you find the people that actually agree or at least resonate with your message and then they go and amplify it. So it's just like anything else. There isn't a silver bullet, but if you do things with enough reps and discipline over time, the results show up. So I think that's a big thing about a lot of the things that you mentioned earlier is you got to start with baby steps and then just go brick by brick. And eventually at some point you build a great wall. The Great Wall just didn't just appear. It took a lot of bricks over a lot of time. And now you can theoretically see it from space. So I think that's one of the things that I took away from the conversation. But I want to loop back around to something that you mentioned. You hit on things about, oh, sales naturals and there's the these, I don't know, disempowering beliefs or erroneous beliefs about you need to be an extrovert, you need to be able to talk to people, all this BS that 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 quote unquote makes a great salesperson. You probably should be able to at least talk to people. Yeah, I think talking to people <laughs> is probably a good thing. But there's another element that comes into it and you've experienced it and to certain degrees, LB and I have probably experienced it too. And this is a whole idea of if you have an opinion and you're not in the majority, you become quote unquote tough to manage. So how do you navigate that label? Yeah. So first I'm going to start with a stat and then I'm going to lead to a story, but 76% of women in their performance evaluations get feedback about their personality. Only 2% of men do 76, 2%. Yes. And as I shared earlier, only about 15% of sales leadership are women. So that's 83% of men in sales leadership giving pretty much all of their female colleagues personality feedback and not translating that at all to their male colleagues. So first and foremost, it's not just something that happens. It is something that happens like regularly. It is something that pretty much all women in sales at some point in their career will encounter with their direct manager, like above all the other people that are probably going to be feeding them narratives like, oh, 
you're an acquired taste. That was one of my favorites. And here's what I didn't realize until I was in my 30s is that some of those narratives like you're an acquired taste, I heard so often that I actually started internalizing them and was like, I guess I'm just an acquired taste. Oh, I guess it takes people a while to warm up to me at work because I'm so abrasive. I was like, no, I'm not abrasive. Like I am warm and kind, but I I also am going to speak my mind. I also am going to say that doesn't feel right or that that doesn't seem like the best approach. So I, I think my advice would be when you have a manager, regardless of gender, say something to you that is about your personality, not about your performance. Don't let that ask them why and ask them if they are like, push them on it. Are you also giving this advice to, to Chad sitting over there? What, how does this relate to my performance specifically? How are you seeing this cost me revenue or whatever it is or make my customers unhappy. So I push them. And then I also just have those internal conversations with yourself to be like, is this something I believe about myself? Or is this something that was just told to me so many times that I started taking it for granted that it was true? I have one of my mentors, Dr. Anna Burroughs. She says, take a coach approach. And what you were describing is the coach approach in that you're asking questions. And so sometimes, because for I think this is important to call out because there there are times when it happens to you the first couple of times you're so taken aback you don't you're not sure really what to do and especially if again when you're in a homogenous environment other people will parrot what they've also heard which also tends to hamstring you if you're if you aren't careful and by asking the question and asking for examples you're at least tuning in the mind of that person making the statement is this really true and it's exhausting because you have to do it enough times that. They start asking you the question, is it something that they don't see? And getting to getting to that point where you have to take them off balance a little bit as well. I want I did want to share with you that what's interesting is that all the stats that you're giving about women in sales, unfortunately, is true across industry. You name the industry and it's pretty much the same. It could be academia, it could be sales, it could be marketing. It's it's pretty much the same. So Jim knows this, that this is some of the work that I'm doing as a part of uh, my uh, PhD is the impediments to women, particularly in senior leadership roles like CEO on a global level. And what you just called out is that oftentimes where we're trying to coach women on what they need to do, we need to coach men on what they need not to do, which is marginalizing people. This is where, again, when I was talking about the homogenous, that we're seeing this over and over. And I truly appreciate your transparency because it gives us the opportunity to hear from someone who's going through the experience, who is broken through, who is trying to continue to push the needle. And here's the thing. Everything that we're talking about is helping the company's bottom line because you're helping people to be more effective at sales. We don't have sales. The door doesn't. The doors don't stay open. It's Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. They will try and put all these labels on it at the end of the day. We're trying to drive sales. And this is one of the most effective ways of doing it because we have a landscape that is shifting. We have a whole new generation that are seeing things differently. And we need to make sure that we have the opportunity to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think sales is here to stay because I think humans crave connection to other humans. And it's an incredible privilege to be in a profession 
where you get to show up with such a level of expertise that you can can help guide somebody through what is probably a pretty important decision with probably some some bucks standing behind it that they're going to be accountable for internally. And the best sellers are those that are also willing to say, I don't think we're the right solution for you. There's an interesting dynamic that you're describing, Leslie, and I want to tie it in. We as sales professionals are always coached to say, hey, when you're engaging with a buyer, be curious, be generous, be authentic. And depending on how things shake out, you need to be a little bit oppositional or inject opposition or discomfort or uncomfortable opposition in order to advance and challenge the status quo. And a lot of what those things were for excellence in sales, we also are telling, or not we, but traditional sales leaders tell the internal team, don't do any of that when it comes to internal people dynamics. So that's ironic. And it's pretty funny. So the advice is, and I'm, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, we need to be consistent both externally and internally in terms of what our expectations are of our people in order for us to advance the agendas that are most important to the people that are driving the business. And that's that the rep, you cannot, and I'm soapboxing, I already, this is soapbox alert, one time every show, you cannot create an environment where you're expecting employees and reps to do one thing in front of a customer and mm. be something completely different internally. That makes no sense. And I think that's one of the great things that about how you show up day in, day out helps to advance because it creates that it's changing the expectation of what's quote unquote normal. Wow, Leslie, uh, powerful words. So what I'd like to know is that one, where can people find you and reach out? I know you've mentioned a couple of different channels. Yeah, absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn and TikTok. That is where I spend most of my time. I'm thinking there's going to be links. So sales, Leslie Vanette's on LinkedIn. I also, as part of my full-time entrepreneur journey, just got a new website. I love it. It's very bright. One of my brand colors is like a fluorescent yellow. I'm owning it. And that's at InsideSalesTeamBuilder.com. The next question is that what's next? So you just talked about the website. What else is? What else can we expect from us? What's next? So I am taking my own advice and I'm trying to give myself a little bit of space and grace to not have it all figured out today. So I have had the privilege because I started Sales Team Builder in 2018 as just a passion project. I have had the privilege over the last five years of testing different types of work and mostly figuring out what I don't want to do, which gives me a pretty good amount of focus. I love working with early stage founders, particularly sales-led companies, helping them create those repeatable processes, playbooks to get them ready to scale. I love working directly with reps and doing that interactive coaching and training to help them level up and find their own voice. And I don't know what else I'm going to figure out that I love now that I have this full ownership over my own time for the first time in my entire life. So we'll see, but I'm super excited. And I know that at the center of it, will be that passion for buyer centricity, for inclusion, and for transforming sales into a respected profession. I appreciate the example of giving yourself grace and not being 
feeling like you're pinned down by the question that I asked, but I'm pretty sure it'll be a lot that we can expect. I thank you for being on Cascade Leadership, the show. You obviously are someone, are, you're a great example as a guest of helping to move the careers of others further, faster. And for those of you that are listening, I'll continue to listen. Uh, if you're looking for the latest release of what's going to be happening on Cascade Leadership, the show, you can check us out on Facebook, TikTok, and or YouTube. We're still waiting for Jim and his dance moves. I'm going to keep prodding him to do that. Not going to happen. It is off. It is. It is off brand. I am not Brown Leslie Vanettes. There is not going to be any trending videos or dances or any of that stuff. That is off brand. I am. Hey, I don't have my sweater vest on today, so that's about as wild and crazy as I'm going to get. Hey, know your strengths. Exactly. Far listening audience, thank you. you. You can tell that I at least tried and. When it happens, know that I'm the person that was the driving force behind it. Thank you again for joining Cascading Leadership, the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.